Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. That is me. How are you, Josh? I'm great, Christian. Now, Christian sounds clear, her voice sounds normal to me, but if you, the listener, are hearing something computerized, robotic, Jason warned us, but we're like, sounds good. Let's just keep rolling, right? So, well, we tried to solve it. So, hopefully, I mean, I think I'm having serious problems with my internet, and that, yeah, could- yeah, it, it sounds super garbled to me. But Josh says it sounds perfectly normal. So, we're hoping you're getting sounds- the perfectly normal. <laughs> we're hoping your ears are just, you know, messed up. Yeah, well, Josh sounds fine. I don't know why it's just you. <laughs> if it's oh, my ears, dear Zoom, please spare us. I can't wait till we get out of the Zoom world we live in. Yeah. Feels like the that. Truman Show. <laughs> A little bit. And with us, you guessed it, Jason Rugg. Obviously, we couldn't do this without him. So, Jason, good to see you. Hey there. Hey there. Now it's just the three of us. This I feel like it's been a while. Yeah. It's super fun. I've missed you guys. Well, well we were I here mean, the whole we time. We were there. But... It's just. <laughs> <laughs> but our little family was, you know, we had other people in the pond for a while. So it's kind of nice. Getting in the way. So many, <laughs> Be back with the family. So many, so many guests. So many producers. I guess I'm um, guest now on my own podcast. You are, you are the first time filmmaker. And we would like to get an update. We would like to talk about film festivals. Before we dive into asking questions about that, do you have any updates you'd like to yeah, bring forward, I mean, Christian? There are lots of updates flying around. Thank you for asking, Josh. Uh, but just so you know, I'd like to come back at some point and get an update with you and Jason. Uh, but I will uh, sort of give you a rundown of where things are. Uh, we bid adieu to Hunter um, on Sunday. Hunter entered... Uh, the Navy uh, basic training. And um, so he has sort of started that adventure and it'll probably be a good three months before we hear from him again, uh, but we're wishing him well. So that change has happened. Our new producer, Brad Stair, got a job, a real legit job. So we're wishing him congratulations and hopefully hopefully he'll be able to help us still um, a little bit on the podcast. And then, as many of you may know, I have been out of town uh, for a whole week at the Beaufort International Film Festival in beautiful Beaufort, South Carolina. That was a wonderful adventure, and we came away with a little bit of hardware, which was super exciting. Um, And we can talk later about that. Uh, We are, I'm back in the saddle, and today, um, Ben Fython has stepped in um, Hunter's role as head of business operations. And so uh, he is going to help us get the film de- deliverables across the finish line in the next few weeks. We have been working with our distributor, FFS, uh, to, you know, to try to get everything that they need to make the sales on our behalf. So that's been been chucking along. And um We actually entered a couple of more film festivals here right at the end, just because they were people we met at Buford who asked us to submit. So we did. So anyway, there you go. So let's start with the hardware you received. 
last time on the podcast, you you were already uh, giving this award to someone else, <laughs> and <laughs> I, if it was up to you, you you would have given it to him. I have, uh, yeah. I have to be honest with you and say I was absolutely shocked. I was shocked. Um, we were in the duty and honor category, super competitive category. There was a film um, that was focused on the Pearl Harbor survivors, and they actually interview a couple that are still alive, and they go over the lives of the band members uh, that were on, uh, they were in the band 22, I think, on the Arizona, and they all perished. And so they uh, talked about their lives and, and how they got to be in this band. And it was just a very, very interesting story. And then the other one was Bastards Road. And that was the one last week, which I really felt like, um, you know, it was just so good, so powerful, worthy of recognition, and was certain that it would not only win the duty and honor category, but the award for the audience award as well. So when they told us we won the duty and honor category, I was stunned. But look at this. Look at this. This is so beautiful. Ooh. I'm showing nice. you this crystal award. It's not really hardware, but there you go. It's a beautiful crystal award. And yeah, for those of you listening, it's like it's like Waterford crystal, but like maybe a little bit off brand, like maybe like sparkling Waterford <laughs> crystal. <Yeah. laughs> it's it's cool. <laughs> description. Very cool. However, then we won the audience award and look at this. Whoa. So now you, how do you describe that, Jason? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's a teardrop with blood in it. <laughs> it's it's teardrop oh. shape. It's got red ribbons running through it. There you uh, go. Yeah, that's that's kind of the best way to describe it. <laughs> but it too is crystal. Yeah. Yes. So it looks it, a little bit less Waterford though. It like kind of just looks like polished yeah. crystal like it's that. super heavy super super heavy very beautiful we were thrilled and honored to win that one because there were 63 films at the festival and so you know there was just excellent competition it was really one of the most uh, competitive film festivals we've been a part of so i was very honored to have won those awards well congratulations thank you yeah, thank that's you. awesome so okay speaking of film festivals uh, do you guys ever listen to the Office Ladies podcast? No. What is that? I've seen if, it pop up, but I haven't listened to it yet. Well, you need to be a fan of The Office, for one. It's hosted by Jenna Fisher, who played Pam, and also went to the, my alma mater. She was there when I was there. I, I might have met her once. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so it's hosted by Jenna Fisher, and then the actress who plays Angela the blonde, yes. which is it. What's interesting in the office, they can't stand each other as characters, but in real life, they're best friends. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so they, they started this podcast where they take, they start at the very beginning, the first season one, episode one, and they, they break it down. They tell basically behind the scenes and how it was made and what happened. And, and so it just, every a podcast episode is an episode of the office that they walk you through. But Jenna Fisher has, fast facts that's her thing she she brings fast facts about that episode so we're going to do our version of fast facts today um which is uh related to film festivals the girl who wore freedom uh has entered approximately 150 festivals worldwide in every continent except 
Antarctica. Any other planets besides Earth or just all on Earth? <laughs> they are all on Earth. Oh. Mars is going to have a festival coming next year, I heard. So <laughs> get ready. Uh, we are, Now, what does this mean? You had 19 selections. So on Film Freeway, which is the place where most people submit for film festivals. And let me be clear, there are other vehicles, um, but usually they are from international companies. So Fest Home is another portal where you can submit your film. Fest Life is another one. So these are all, I don't know if um, Josh, have you, your child has not begun applying for colleges yet, but there's a thing called the Common Core application that kind of has come around with college applications where you fill out most all of the details and then you submit it to all of the colleges so you don't have to keep repeating the same thing over and over again. It's the same vehicle for film festivals. And so film festivals register their film festival in all of these different event uh, vehicles, um, Fest Home, Fest Life, Film Freeway. There are others. Those are just the main ones that we have used. Um, you know, some overseas have you fill it out in eventful, I think is how you say it. Um, so over the different countries, those are the choices that you have. And in the United States, Film Freeway is the um, the industry standard for applying to film festivals. I think there's something like 7,000 film festivals that are um, registered with Film Freeway. Film Freeway took over from Without a Box, if you were familiar with that. Without a Box was the company that did this first, and now it's Film Freeway. So, And I forget, what? Without a Box, were they part of Amazon or something for a little while? They 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 were a part of something huge, and then they just like discontinued it and left a bunch of people kind of on the side of the road for a while. Yeah, Yeah. it was terrible. Um, And so when you submit, the process goes like this. You have your profile on Film Freeway, just like you would a Facebook profile. You upload your movie there. You upload your trailers, your poster, your photos, your reviews. All of that stuff is in there where a film festival can look and decide if they want to accept you. You also, as you go on, add other information, your distribution information, all the awards that you have won. It's basically your film's profile um, and film festivals once you submit. So you find a film festival, you click submit, you then click the category that you want to um, enter And many film festivals will have more than one um, category. So I could enter as just a documentary. I could enter as a female filmmaker. I could enter the director category, editing category, cinematographer category. And you have to pay money for every different category you enter. So depending on how many categories you enter determines how much you pay for that festival. Then you write a cover letter. Then you pay your fee. And you are then in consideration and they will give you a time for when your uh, notification should happen, which is usually two months roughly or sometimes a month before the film festival is about to happen. And they have the choice of giving you several different responses. They can accept you. and, and, And the word that they use for that is selections. They can reject you. Their word for that is not selected. They can make you a finalist or a semi-finalist. 
you know, or it's undecided. And those are the ones you're waiting to hear back from. So um, we have had 19 selections, one finalist status and two semi-finalist status. Those things are really pretty unclear <laughs> what they are. Nobody really seems to be able to tell me what it means when you're a finalist or a semi-finalist. I guess. Well, maybe- yeah, because because you've won multiple awards at several different film festivals. Yeah, but the finalist status is whether or not you get into the film festival. So, so we have been selected outright for 19 film festivals. We are considered a finalist for the Ferrara Film Festival in Italy. And they were supposed to get back to us and tell us whether or not we were selected. And so, you know, I don't know if we were selected. We were a finalist for the Louis, uh, San Luis Obispo Festival in California. And then they said that we didn't get in. So all it means is we were almost in. So hold on. When you say we have one finalist status, you mean currently, not ever currently if you were to go uh, check my film freeway profile right now it says we were a finalist and that means a finalist for being accepted okay but you've been a finalist multiple times um actually not i mean on on several occasions we've been chosen as a finalist usually when we're chosen as a finalist we don't end up getting in Wow, this is confusing. Yeah. But just think about finalist status isn't for the award. It's just for getting in. Yeah. And, and, and who, every who festival. It- yeah. It's kind of like just you move like. So a selection. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it gets confusing. So I honestly, think, I honestly think it's very frustrating. I think you should just yeah. be selected or not selected. But right. I maybe they want you to know how close you've gotten. So a semifinalist status is not as near to being chosen as a finalist, I guess. But either way, if, you know, like the ones where I was a semifinalist, one of them was the Glasgow International Film Festival. We were a semifinalist there. I never heard anything about it. So it stays on my film freeway profile as a semifinalist. And there's a ribbon there, but it, it doesn't mean anything. It honestly doesn't mean anything. So yeah. It's yeah. um it's kind of like how sometimes you'll see like someone won, you know, like uh an Emmy, but it's actually a local Emmy. And so it's like, you know, a Chicago Emmy. <laughs> and it's like that's not at all related. It's the same sort of thing where like you'll see a trailer and it'll be like official selection of such and such or a semi-finalist, but it's like they're not the festival is hasn't even run yet, but it's hey, we put this in our uh our trailer because that's that's a laurel that we have i've seen people well, do actually, that before but yeah because if you did that if you said we're a finalist with such and such film festival i'd be like wow good for you yeah it sounds yeah. huge <laughs> it it's all semantics it's all semantics <laughs> yeah all right it's it's one of those things where like you uh, can impress current... people who don't know what they're doing yes but you can't right. really impress the people who know anything exactly <laughs> Because I, I, I was going to ask, like, what do you think the reason is? But I think we've uncovered it. So we understand now. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're currently waiting to hear back from 31 festivals as Correct. of this recording. Correct. Right. And what that means is those are festivals that will happen in April, May, June. And then, yeah, April, May, and June. Some happen a little right. bit after that, but right around there. Uh, you've had seven festivals in person. 
six festivals have been online. Uh, you have one festival had a monetary prize. Does that mean you won a monetary prize or it was the only festival that had a monetary prize? It was the only festival that had a monetary prize that we have participated and been accepted into. Ah, okay. But there are film festivals around the world that do have monetary prizes. Does Sundance, like, like do the, the bigger ones, do they have monetary prizes? No. No. Yeah. The, the Sundance is really like, you get into Sundance, it's like, there are a lot of pathways to make money. Yeah. <laughs> Besides right. like, oh, here's here's $1,000. It's like, no, I want to sell it for millions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and then you said, here, here's an interesting, we have made at least one strategic partnership through the film festival run but many other strong connections. So the idea of participating in film festivals, one of them anyway, is to make connections and find distribution and partnerships, correct? Yeah. I mean, really the whole reason for doing film festivals from a filmmaker's perspective is David um, Patterson has been on before and he's talked about, you know, the film festival circuit being a runway for the airplane, right? And so you're kind of taking off and your first festival is just when you're starting out of the gate. And by the time you're airborne, you know, it's your last film festival and you're ready to fly. And along the way, everybody's taking notice of this shiny new plane and, um, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. You want to garner attention and um, in while you're doing that, you really do hope that distributors will see you and see how audiences respond to you and will make you an offer for distribution. That's the main purpose, right? And so big film festivals like Sundance or Cannes or Toronto or, you know, South by Southwest, those big ones, the distributors do come and they are looking for films and they are looking for, um, you know, how the audience responds to films. I will say that in the film festivals I have been in, and perhaps it's just a COVID year, I have not met one distributor. As far as I can tell, there's not a bit a distributor that has come. In one of the film festivals, I had a distributor email everyone in the festival saying, if you have a horror film, we'd love to talk to you. And I wrote to them and said, I don't have a horror film, but I do have this film, you know, and uh, do you know anybody else that might be interested? And I never heard back. Um, I've asked on several occasions if any of the festival directors have international distribution con connections or sales agents. Um, and at the La Femme Film Festival, they did have... Um, you know, the director there also acts as a sales agent and she helped us for a little bit, but, but that's about it. So um, what else can a filmmaker gain from going to these film festivals? Well, I do have to say we have made a lot of, of great connections with other filmmakers um, and that is helpful. It's, it's very helpful because, it, for example, at the Buford Film Festival last week, many filmmakers came back that did not even have films in the festival because they had met filmmakers previously and done projects with them. And it, they wanted to come back and see each other and, you know, figure out new projects they could do together. Uh, one of the, the, the guy that won best director, his name is Chris White. He did electric Jesus. They entered their screenplay in the Buford international film festival. And then they, 
injured a short, I think, or something like that. And now their film is in the film festival and he won best director. So, um, and I do think that he was a sort of a festival darling simply because he's been involved with that festival from very early on. So relationships that you make with the festival directors and with the other filmmakers can be very important, not for your own particular film, but for any projects you want to do going forward. Uh, you, you got a bonus, you, uh, a festival screen bonus of $100. What was that? That was very interesting. That was from the Thin, Thin Line Film Festival. We haven't even announced that yet, but that is a documentary film festival out of Denton, Texas, Northern Texas. And there was a screening stipend of $100, which I thought was really nice and exciting. I didn't even catch that. So I guess there are people that kind of do that. So that was fun. hundred bucks is a hundred bucks, right? That's for sure. So Christian, what would you say, it would, you know, when, looking back at what, all the experiences you've had with film festivals so far, you know, what, what's been your favorite thing about going to the film festivals that you've been able to attend? Well, what I do think is interesting, we have, um, I have attended the um, seven festivals that have been in person and there is nothing like watching your film with an audience Um it, there's just nothing like it. When you as a director or filmmaker make a film, you do it so that people will enjoy your audience and they will walk out changed. So when you are sitting among them and you know you hear them laugh and you hear them cry and you hear them talk out loud. I mean, there was a guy sitting behind me at the Buford Film Festival that just kept saying, oh man, I love that guy. Or wow, I love this part. Or wow, I'd never thought about that. You know, it's one of those people you hate sitting next to in a movie theater, but <laughs> <laughs> but I really, really loved it actually because you got to see how your work impacted people emotionally. Uh, so that's incredibly rewarding. And to have other filmmakers and your peers recognize your work, uh, it's very affirming. So uh, that was great. And then in film festivals, one of the reasons film festival directors do a film festival is so that it helps the economy where they are. So it helps restaurants, it helps hotels, it helps other businesses. And so you usually will have festivals in times where a town may need uh, you know, people to come in and have something to do. So there's not a lot going on in Beaufort, South Carolina in February, but you create a film festival and then people come from all over the place to be there for this five-day event. And it does give the economy a boost, but it also introduces new people to this location. So the mayor and several of the council members really made a big push in Beaufort to these filmmakers to say, hey, come and film here. We have all these film incentives and we have a beautiful location. These are all the movies that have been shot in this area. So that area is really making a pitch for you as filmmakers to bring your business there in the future. Um, and so I loved visiting all these different places and seeing the towns that I would have never had any other reason to go to. Um, by seeing all the other films, I feel like I learn a lot and I have a much better understanding of independent film. Um, so so I've loved it. I've loved the people that I have met. I've loved how they've received our film. I mean, we've had a particularly wonderful festival run. 
uh, the awards that we have received have really been overwhelming. And, you know, people may ask, well, what's the good of those? I mean, one of the shocking things is I was pulling together all of the stats. You haven't even asked me this question, but I'm going to go ahead and answer it, which is how much money have we spent on film festivals? And I'm going to give you just one stat because I asked Melissa Perkins to pull this from our budget sheet. But we have spent, since last January, when we entered our first film festival, we have spent $7,356.34 on film festival entry fees alone. Hmm. And and listen to this. We had a lot of our festival fees waived thanks to David Patterson because he got a lot of... um, you know, waivers because he'd been in film festivals before. And that's, I've said this before on the podcast, that's one thing that you don't think about when you are are building your initial budgets. You don't build in $10,000 for your film festival run. But I'm telling you, you know, if you decide that a film festival run is for you, then you need to build that money in there because it's not just film festival entry fees that you're spending money for. Um, Once you're entered, Sometimes film festivals require that you send them posters. That's money. That's postage. Sometimes they require that you send them a DCP file. That's making the file, sending the file, you know, so there's postage there. And then if you want to go to the festivals, some of the festivals provide, you know, your housing. So Buford paid for our hotel the whole time we were there, as did, I think, most of all the other festivals that we went to. They covered our hotel and lodging, Uh, but they don't cover your rental car. They don't cover your flight. They don't cover your food while you're there. Although I will say Buford gave us free lunch every day. Um, So there are incidental costs. Um, You know, if you're going to go to these film festivals, that's going to cost you money as well. So you have to think about those economics when you're considering your film festival run for sure. Because if when, you know, spending this $7,356 in fees, I don't get those fees back. When you're in your film festival run, you're just spending money. Let that sit with you for a while. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're just spending money. And what it has. Have you, did you, I mean, you know this now, but did you know going into it, it would be around that, that much? No, no clue. I didn't even expect to submit to this many festivals. I Uh. submitted to this many festivals because um, we were trying to, I mean, our biggest push was to try to get accepted into a film festival that would have us qualifying for the Academy Awards were we to win the category. So we applied to a lot of film festivals that would have given us that ability. Um, We did not get into any film festivals that were Academy Award qualifying for documentaries, unfortunately. Well, shame on them. They don't know what they're missing. Um, All right. What's been one of your least favorite things about film festivals besides the money? Yeah. um, The only thing that's really been challenging is the fact that I have not made the distribution or sales agent connections that I really needed to make. And you know, you hope that when you invest that money into film festivals, there's going to be some 
reward. And really the that reward has not been there for us. We've needed, uh, we were, we got our distribution agent ironically from the trailer film festival. So we entered the trailer film festival for $35. I did that before I entered anything else. Um, we were accepted into that film festival and uh, that is how factory film studio discovered our film. And so truthfully, you know, I could have just, stopped it there and not done any other film festivals and I would have had what I had wanted, but it's really only North American distribution. So we're missing the international piece. And it is really good, even from the distributor standpoint to have all the awards that we have, because when the distributor goes to put our movie for sale or pitch it to the history channel, uh, they can show all the lists of awards that we've won. And so that actually helps us, for when uh, they go to sell the movie to different buyers. So it does, it does, the awards definitely help. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you think you would enjoy the film festivals as much if the film hadn't been as successful? I would have absolutely enjoyed the film festival. I mean, don't get me wrong. Film festivals are like weddings. Think about it this way. Film festival directors spend a whole year planning a wedding, right? They're having this big event. They've invited all these different people. They have put together a schedule. They have created lodging opportunities. You know, they've done all of these things to get people to the film festivals. And it is a big party. And so they are fun. They're super fun. You're networking, you're meeting new people, you're seeing places. Sometimes in different locales, they'll do events where you can go hiking and you can do all different stuff. It's basically just like a wedding. So I really could not have enjoyed myself anymore, I don't think. Um, so, I, but, but I will say, having a jury of my peers say that the product that I made is worthy of an award is super fulfilling. And I would have enjoyed them whether or not I won or not, but I would have been, I'm not going to lie. I would have been sad if I didn't win any awards. <laughs> yeah. I uh, there were two film festivals. We didn't win anything at, at the Red big Apple film festival or at the La Femme film festival. I think those are the only two where we didn't win awards. And I was like, what's wrong with you people? I mean, don't you know, <laughs> I don't know what films you're looking at, but clearly <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm. you, yeah. you were moving further and further away from first time filmmaker, the longer we go on here. So That's true. Um. Christian, have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of the documentary overnight? No, I haven't. Tell me, Jason. Okay. Are you familiar with uh, the movie Boondock Saints? No, I am not. Josh, are you familiar? Yeah. Okay. So the guy who directed this movie uh, thought he was going to be an overnight success. And Boondock Saints actually really did pretty well. But it, it was like, okay, so you wrote this script on, on like pieces of paper on your breaks as a bartender. And then you would rent a computer on the weekends to type it up. And like, he was, you know, like doing that and he sold it to the Weinstein company, funny enough. Uh, and they were like, okay, so we're thinking Keanu Reeves for this. And he goes, no, I'm never working with Keanu Reeves. And he just like, oh, that guy, like he was nobody and <laughs> kept being like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And he just was the biggest jerk ever. 
And that is pretty much the only movie he's ever been able to make. Boondock Saints, Boondock Saints 1, or Boondock Saints 2. Uh, and no one else will work with him. And this, and he was so sure that he was going to be an overnight success. He hired a documentary crew to film the entire process. And that's what the documentary is, is about him being a jerk and no one wanting to work with him. <laughs> that is what he paid to have a crew document how awful he is. And now no one will work with him. <laughs> wow. wow. Say the documentary yeah. name again. Overnight. And it's on Pluto Overnight. TV. So you can watch it for free with ads. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit out there. He's definitely a huge jerk, but it's, it's worth the watch because it's one of those things where anyone who's trying to make it in the industry needs to watch this because it will immediately make you go, wow, I need to be really humble. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, that is such a good point because one of the things that I have found in these film festivals is reaching out to other filmmakers, caring about their films asking yeah. them about how they did things. Uh, it just, it really bonds you together with this filmmaking community, which is really pretty small. And people know, you know, uh, lots of people. And um, so for example, I'm really looking forward to getting to know um, the gentleman and his family that I talked about last week, um, Mike and Jay. Um, the now, right now their last names are escaping me. Uh, Panuski, sorry about that guys. Uh, Mike and Jay Panuski and their daughter, Hannah. Um, he is an incredible actor, and but they also are producing a lot of stuff. And we got along, really hit it off. I'd love to work with them in some sort of capacity. When I was at Red Rock, we met Frederick Marks, who was the producer of Hoop Dreams. He has a company called Warrior Films. And we began talking about what it would be like if we sort of put our uh, veteran films together and we did a traveling veteran film festival where we took these around to different towns. And so we're, we're now, that's one of the strategic partnerships that I'm working on. We're now trying to figure out how can we work together? So uh, you just never know where things are going to take you, but it can be a very lonely endeavor making films. Um, you just, you, I remember when I first went to Chagrin and I met this um, filmmaker named Tim who has a movie called Classic talking to him, I felt like I'd found my people. It was the first filmmaker I had really kind of connected with. And that is one of the best things about these film festivals is you are meeting your peers and working, you know, talking to them about what it's like to work in this industry. And, you know, I, and honestly, quite frankly, I have been able to help other people because of my connections. So Frederick Marx was having trouble finding distribution for his film and I introduced him to FFS. So that was a great thing for Frederick Marx. I talked to my distributor after the Buford International Film Festival and they said, yeah, tell us what your recommendations are. We'd love to talk to people at those film festivals. So you just you just never know, but it, you do hope that when you go there, um, you make these connections and you can all help each other. Rising tide floats all boats, right? Do you have any, yeah. since we're on the subject of film festivals, I mean, you've, you've given great advice today and in, in the past, but do you have any, top of mind, you know, advice for someone who is entering into a film festival run or thinking about it? Partner with somebody that has been in film festivals before. David Patterson was absolutely crucial and instrumental to planning out this festival strategy. He kept me um, 
focused. He never let me get too low or too high. You know, he always constantly was being very level-headed about it. Uh, his, his, the waivers that since we, he's one of our producers, the waivers have saved us money and that's been very kind of him. Um, I would say the festival directors are really, really important. Festivals are absolutely a reflection of the directors that run them. And they do have a lot of connections and know a lot of people. So um, meeting them and, and nurturing that relationship is really important. And um, I am definitely a fan and a proponent of entering film festivals, no question about it. But I think you need to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how much money you're going to spend on them. Because if you if you enter the film festival, you need to be prepared to spend the rest of the money, to spend the money on the DCP, to spend the money on going to the film festivals. Because, you know, filmmakers or film festivals want you to show up. They want to know you're going to come. Because people want to talk to filmmakers. So um, you need to be prepared to do that. And if you're not prepared to do that, scale back on the film festivals you submit for and make sure that you look at uh, what those film festivals are focused on. You have some very, very edgy film festivals and my film would not fit in there. So it wouldn't be a good idea for me to submit there. It's kind of like a waste of money. Um, you know, don't submit your film to a horror film festival unless you actually have a horror film kind of thing. So you just have to be very careful and choosy, plan out your strategy, and then know that it's going to basically cost you money in the end. And you hope there is some sort of return. <laughs> hmm. Well, uh, as we wrap up, um, what we'll call this the film festival episode, I suppose. Um, I, I I will say it, it's exciting to see or been a part of the journey, at least hearing about the journey of like entering into it, the expectation, the rejection, you win something, more rejection, you get in it gets shut down, you know, you never hear back from people, you know, and, and it's like making a film. Yeah. You, know, you just got to keep moving forward. It's a roller coaster for sure. There's no question about it. And, and we are at a 20% acceptance rate. That's a very, very healthy acceptance rate. Um, yeah, more, <laughs> yeah, more normal is probably around 10%. But think about that. We're at a 20% very good acceptance rate, and we've basically been selected to 20 festivals out of 150. So that's a lot of rejection. <laughs> a lot of, and, and th things don't make sense. We got rejected from veterans film festivals. We got rejected from, you know, hometown festivals that we should have been in. Just, it just, there's no rhyme or reason. So um, it's definitely a ride. And you need to be prepared. It's fun. I've loved it. I have to say, I'm not, I will not be sad to see it go necessarily. I'm ready to stop the traveling for a while. <laughs> okay, let, let's end on this then. When does it end? Aha. Uh -huh. Well, we know that we're going to be releasing, Lord willing, around Memorial Day this year. Typically, film festivals do not want you to. Uh, they, they won't accept you if you've been released. Although that's not necessarily true. Sometimes they make exceptions, of course. Um, and we have entered some film festivals and they've been postponed. So I know one of them has been postponed till the fall. 
So it is possible that we could be doing film festivals through the end of this year. Our distributor doesn't care. It helps him because when the people ask me, where can you see your film? We're like, well, you can go to iTunes or you can see it on, you know, whatever. So uh, we're allowed to do film festivals for as long as we want to. Um, I probably will not enter anymore for sure. I'm done entering. So we'll just have to see how they play themselves out. They'll, sh they'll fall off sharply after June. The last film festival that I am really praying for is the World War II Film Festival in Normandy. It has been the film festival I have had my eye on since before I ever made a film. Uh, it is going to hopefully happen um, in June uh, in Normandy. And if you win the documentary category, you get to screen there. So um, that could very well be our last in-person film festival, if I'm allowed to go to Normandy and if we get in. Well, looking forward to hearing about that. So um, as we wrap up here, a uh, quick reminder, where can people go if they want to make donations or read more about the, mov the movie? Yep. The girl who wore freedom.com. It's our website. You'll find everything there from blogs to podcasts, of course, uh, to the shop where you can buy merchandise and there is a donate button, or you can go to the girl who wore freedom.com slash donate. If you are a filmmaker listening and you'd like to come on as a guest, please write me at Christian at Normandy We'll take a look at your work and see if you're a good fit for us. Also, if you're listening and you have any questions you would like us to ask uh, or you'd like to ask us, please send in your questions. Um, you can send them in to me as well, Christian at NormandyStories.com. And um, right now you can watch the film through the Flathead Lake International Cinema Fest for $5 for like another week. And um, that's on our film festival tab on our website. And then we've got four festivals coming up. We've got uh, next week, it's the Omaha, Nebraska Film Festival. We've got the Thin Line Documentary Film Festival, the Port Wash or the Port Townsend, Washington Women in Film Festival. And we just got into the Bucharest Film Festival. So we have four more that we know about, and that takes us through the 1st of April. Awesome. Yeah. Well, very cool. All right. Well, this has been a very good episode. I think hopefully if you are in that phase of looking at film festivals, you found this helpful. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, to see where film festivals are a year or two or three from now, you know, post COVID and uh, Christian will be entering her next film in those. So she'll I be a have, pro by then. So Yeah, I do have a short, I think I'm going to enter in. We took some material from this film. We made a little short. So uh, oh. in, in some of the festivals that I've already gotten in where I can get a waiver, so it won't really cost me anything, I think I may submit the short. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, real quick, Jason, you got any updates in your work world? Not really. I'm <laughs> still in that, that slogging through a couple projects, so not, not much to update besides uh, I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah, all right. Hey, Josh, what about you? What's coming up on the movie proposal? Uh, the next episode, whenever we record it, <laughs> we we do not have a system like the Girl Who Wore Freedom or the Holy Post where there's a regular schedule. It's it's whenever uh, a certain individual, I won't name names, is available to record. He's not on this podcast right now, um, but uh, he's a busy guy. So it's whenever we get get him on is when we record. But hopefully it'll be this week. So we'll 
we'll see. But I think the movie will be the will be Judas and the Black Messiah, which is on HBO Max. If I, yeah, I heard about yeah. this. Can you give us a little summary about that movie? It takes place in Chicago with the Black Panthers. I want to say, Jason, was it in the 70s? 80s? Oh, you pointed up. I'm like, <laughs> it was more like one second. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, uh, okay. Button pushing by uh, late 1960s. Okay, late 60s. So, uh, Black Panther chapter in Chicago, Illinois, the, the leader of this particular group was targeted by the FBI. And there was a a gentleman that was paid to infiltrate the black Panthers, basically a traitor, the Judas, if you will. It's a story I was not familiar with. It's, it's sad. It's, it's well done. Definitely worth checking out, but yeah, it's not a feel good, happy. Hey, let's watch something entertaining tonight. Movie. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, based on a true story. And if, you know, if you want to learn more about that history, it's definitely worth checking out. Okay, well, awesome. Thank you for that little plug. And I will look forward to hearing the podcast whenever you guys record it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Us too. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, well, everybody. Thanks. For yeah, thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you could be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.